we went to our competitors. We took a yellow pad and a, and a pen and we went to every one of our competitors' auctions and we wrote down everything we thought they were doing really well and everything we thought they were doing really bad. And the things that they were doing really well, we copied. And the things that we thought they were doing really bad, we fixed. We did over $10 million in business and the business was launched. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, Mr. Still Your Pennies, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Robert Friedman. He is most well-known for being the co-founder of Auction.com, one of the largest real estate auction sites online, and it got sold for over a billion dollars. Yes, you heard me that right. Yes, you heard me correctly. Rob is definitely one of these guys that has learned more by doing than by sitting in a classroom. He started an auto repair shop. He worked at flea markets, and he used those experiences to springboard into many other business ventures, specifically in real estate. Rob's also involved in some really cool charitable organizations. One of his proudest achievements is starting a school in Nicaragua. It's called verascool.org. That's V-E-R-A school.org. It educates bright young girls in underserved communities. Go check that out and see how you can help him. I really love that he's doing that. If you've ever want to learn about taking risks and self-education and winning big, you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic takeaways. One, how to grab onto big opportunities by living below your means. Two, why should more people consider getting a vocational education? That's interesting. Three, the importance of figuring out what makes you happy and working backwards from that. Enjoy those trace things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. This interview is part of a YouTube video that we've launched where we interview college dropouts to see if they regret their decisions. Go check it out at the channel. That's youtube.com slash okdork. Also, if you're looking to start or grow an online business, go to appsumo.com slash Noah and sign up. Appsumo.com slash Noah. We have the best deals on software for you, whether you're starting or growing your online business specifically, really, really helpful for solopreneurs. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Martin Koss of Great Britain. They left a review saying, Noah is authentic, always interesting, and genuinely full. Dude, I love you, man. Thanks, Martin. And thank you, every one of you gorgeous listeners who's out there. If you want to call out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you're enjoying the show. I check every single one of them. You sold a company, auction.com. The, comp- the company, auction.com, was bought for $1.6 billion? It was bought for a big number, yes. Auction.com, and I'm proud to say also 10x. So auction.com was the uh, residential real estate side, and 10x was the commercial real estate uh, side of our business. All right. Well, we'll get to that. That's amazing. Let's go back to the beginning. Sure. How were you in school? How was school for you? High school? So, you know, we were um, all a very distractible type of kid. And so uh, it wasn't that I was bad in school, but I was probably always daydreaming about something else. And so uh, I probably learned more by doing than by being in the classroom. You know, I've been a big proponent of vocational education for a long time. You know, one of my first businesses, I actually had an auto repair shop, which was a springboard, believe it or not, to a lot of other things. But I wouldn't have been able to have that shop if I hadn't had my vocational education in high school, and that was auto shop. And I think one of the big mistakes we're making today in America is just the fact that we try to push everybody towards a academic education instead of a vocational education. And nowadays, it's so hard to find great craftsmen and tradesmen. And I know that if a lot of kids just really sat down and thought about it and decided that they wanted to go in that direction and they became true tradesmen, true craftsmen, that they could actually, I believe, become more successful than many people 
that go to college and really don't know what they're doing or don't really have a dream or a, a goal in mind when they go to college. So they go to college, they go through four years and they get a degree in something that may not even help them with their career. But worse than that, a lot of times they come out with a big debt. Yeah. And it's really hard to start a business or to go do something really interesting and fun when you have a big debt and you need to pay that debt back. And so while I'm a big believer in education in all forms, because I believe education is the best thing we can do for society, I think that a lot of people, at, by the time they're in eighth and ninth grade, got to start thinking about, should we go the vocational route instead of the academic route? So in, in school, you were, doing, you were doing auto shop and you're learning a trade and you, you opened an auto body shop? It was very interesting. Back in California, we had an emissions smog law that each car had to be tested for emissions. And my brother had come up with a good idea about opening a, basically a tune-up shop as close to that state license, their state-run inspection center. And I remember him, he was doing very well. And I decided, well, I'm going to open my own. And because I had the vocational training, I was able at the age of 19 to go open my own shop right next to the busiest inspection center in the state of California. And so obviously, day one, I open up, people can come over and we can guarantee that they'll pass the test the next time they go through the inspection and have them in and out in 30 minutes. And so as you can imagine, it was a very successful business right out of the gate. And those are the, the types of things as a young entrepreneur, you got to be looking for those little tidbits of opportunity and be willing to jump at them. Did you do well in school? Were you like a top student, middle, bottom no, student? No, I was a B student. I was smart enough to get by. And I went to public school here in Orange County, California. And, you know, it, it was good, but it wasn't that difficult. Like, how come you decided not to go to college? Well, I enrolled in a junior college. And again, I'm a big believer in if you have to take a loan, I'd rather see people go to junior college. But I enrolled in junior college. And at the same time, I had that vocational training and I had the opportunity to start my auto tune-up shop. And I was doing both at the same time. And the auto tune-up shop became so successful, you know, relatively speaking, for a 19-year-old, it became so successful that I went to my father, who was, was a physician and was, uh, you know, very, very uh, into education. And uh, I told him, hey, look, I can either continue with my college, which, you know, of course, I was going to get a degree in business or because that's all I've ever been interested in. Or I can continue on with this business. And at the age of 19, I was making like $100,000 a year. That's 40 years ago. And so that was really good money. He said, well, okay, you know, when you finish with that little business, you'll go back to school. And I never finished with the business. So, But, but you know, I'm a big believer in self-education. Look, everything I want to learn, I can find in a book. Nowadays with your Kindle, you can go online and find a book about everything and you can self-educate. And I've read a lot and I think that's what people can do. What were some of the areas you self-educated in? Typically business techniques, real estate and business techniques. And I, that's what I enjoy, self-help, positive thinking. I'm really into, you know, motivation, you know, taking care of myself. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the only fountain of youth is eating right, getting enough sleep and working out. So I was always into those things. I always uh, 
found mentors in each one of those categories that helped me along and, you know, just followed through. Yeah. Were you scared at all? And did you, what was your game plan? You were like, hey, I'm going to build up one business. You, were you scared? Do you think I'm, I'm going to build a ton of these? What, what were you thinking at the time? The nice thing about being young or, or being single at the time is I didn't really have any responsibility. So when I was, I was never scared because I didn't have a lot of responsibility. I always believe in living below my means. I was never worried about my next paycheck. I was never worried about, am I going to be able to pay the rent? Because frankly, until I could afford to do absolutely anything I want, I've always lived below my means so that I could save money so that when opportunity knocked, I could grab hold of it. A lot of mistakes that people make or, or I see is that they want to live above their means or they don't save any money. And then when opportunity knocks, they're not able to take advantage of it. And they got to give that opportunity away to someone else or they just, you know, they can't do it. So I've always lived below my means. It's very important. How did your dad respond? So when you're like, no, I'm not going to, I'll do junior college for a bit, but I'm really going to work on this uh, auto body shop, especially he's a physician. How did he respond? How did he feel? Well, you know, I think he was happy from the point of view that the business was already successful. So he had to respect that. But on the whole, would have he preferred that, you know, that I was a college graduate? Of course he would have. But, you know, my business just got too successful. So I'd love to hear the story. So how do you go from running an auto body shop to a, you know, very successful nine figure real estate website? Okay. So it was actually an auto tune up shop, but that's not important. But so I was always interested in real estate and I've always felt that the slowest, easiest way, in my opinion, to still become a pretty wealthy guy is through real estate and understanding real estate and becoming a real estate investor, but self-educating so that you understand it yourself. You're not doing it with other people that are telling you what to do. You have to educate yourself. You have to believe enough in yourself. You have to trust yourself and believe in yourself. So, you know, when we made enough money in the smog repair shop, we would buy a house. So my first investment at 19 years old, put a down payment on a house. It was what we called back then owner carry back financing, where the seller actually carried the note. I didn't even have to go to the bank. So that was my first house. Then basically rolled that into a, a triplex. That's three apartments and just kept slowly rolling as I made money in any of my other businesses. You know, after the smog shop, I then had, believe it or not, consumer electronics stores with my business partner. And I'm very proud to say I've had the same business partner over 40 years. And we had stereo stores together at the age of 19 and 20 years old. And that taught me a lot about, you know, dealing with people and buying commercial real estate and learning from commercial real estate. And I always gravitated to super smart business guys that I could ask questions to because there's no substitute for experience. And, you know, learning from people who have been there and done that. Like if I was going to go into real estate back then, I mean, I always called my friends that I knew they owned houses, they owned real estate, and they had already made the mistakes for me. So, you know, you have to be smart enough and have an ego that allows you to take advice and go with that advice. You know, some people have to learn by jumping off the cliff themselves. And some people you can just say, hey, don't jump off that cliff. And if you trust the person that's telling you don't jump off the cliff, 
it's just a far easier way to to learn. But you know, some people gotta learn the hard way. I always believed in listening to my mentors, and it worked. They weren't necessarily you know college professors. You know, these were real life uh, mentors who were in these industries who were very successful, honorable, ethical people who um, you know I could count on, and and I was very blessed to have these types of friendships and to develop these types of friendships or, or find these types of mentors. Well, okay. So what are all the businesses you started or at a high level businesses you started before the, the auction.com? Well, my first business was at the swap meet. So this was really fun. When I was 16, 17 years old, my business partner and I, we had swap meet stands and we'd drive our little vans into downtown LA and we'd buy stereo equipment from the importers and from the manufacturers. And then every Saturday and Sunday, we'd go out to the swap meet. We had hair halfway down our back. We'd have a cooler of beer and we'd sit there and we'd sell stereo equipment. And it was great. And we probably did that for two, three years. And again, you know, we're making three to $500 a weekend. But the key was always living below my means and always having enough money so that if uh, if there was a, I remember there was a big stereo auction. This big company had gone out of business, and I had enough capital, my own money, to go to that auction and buy a bunch of stuff that I knew was way undervalued that I could take to the swap meet. So we had the swap meet, and then we had the small repair shops. Then we had stereo stores. Then we started buying real estate. Then I had a little jewelry store, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of them that. I went into business and went out of business real quick because, you know, I was the type of believer that, you know, if I'm not making money in three months, I'm like, okay, I'm out of that business. And we, we used to buy and sell cars, fix up cars. That was super fun. But we always had to make money. I wasn't one of these guys who, oh, I'm going to lose money, lose money, lose money until I'm making money. No, you know, we gave it a fair shot. But if we weren't making money, we moved along. And, you know, we weren't afraid of taking the risk. And that's what you got to do. And that's why if you're living below your means and you're not worried about your next paycheck and you got the rent or the house payment covered, then that allows you, gives you the wind at your back to go ahead and take chances because you got to take chances, but you want to take chances on yourself. You know, unless you have a buddy or a brother or someone, you know, for 10 years and you know, this person inside and out and you know, they're the real deal. I don't go into deals with people. You know, especially when I'm dealing with my first $10,000 or my first $50,000, because guess what? That's the hardest money to make. Your first 10 grand is the hardest money you're going to make. And the first 50 grand is the hardest 50 you're going to make. And the first 100 is the hardest 100. But once you have some real money, making money becomes a lot easier. So how did you go from doing swap meets and auto tune-ups to creating a you know very large real estate website? I, or I was in the stereo business and I saw some guys doing auctions, live auctions, you know, 25, 50, now 75, $100 in the back, now make it 125, right? So I saw, I said, wow, this is a really powerful tool to sell a lot of merchandise very quick. And so I, um, I learned the business. I went to an auction school. It was a two week class. It was great fun. I met so many great guys and most of them were literally cowboys that were going to be cattle auctioneers or livestock auctioneers. And it was a fabulous two weeks and I learned so much, but I became an auctioneer and I made some friends with, again, with some older auctioneers and they let me become an auctioneer. And I thought, well, that's just another skill that it's not an hourly rate. When you're an auctioneer, you're making $500 a day or $1,000 a day back then. It was a great little skill. 
So we started doing that and I saw some guys auctioning real estate and I, I said to my partner, hey, we can do that. So we did two things that were really pretty smart. The first thing, which was very interesting, is we found out that in Australia, they auction real estate. They primarily, when, when, when someone lists a home, they primarily use the auction methodology to sell real estate. So we thought, okay, you know, we're going to take a trip and we're going to go to Australia and we're going we're gonna to go talk to every real estate auctioneer we can. And to the credit of the, the Aussies and the Kiwis, we went over there with, with basically nothing. We got out the yellow pages and we called every single real estate auctioneer in the in both, well, in Auckland and in Sydney. And we just introduced ourselves and we said, hey, we're young guys. We want to go into the business in America. Can we come over and talk to you? And every single one of those guys said, sure, come on over. So by the time we got done two weeks later, we had probably made friends with 10 different guys from 10 different auction companies. And while one guy wouldn't tell us a secret, when we went to the next guy, we could ask the questions that he would tell us the secret the other guy didn't want to tell us. So by the time we were done, we really understood the business. And um, it was funny. I was doing business with a gentleman. He had been a uh, home developer and he had 53 houses, 53 houses of standing inventory. That's a lot of inventory. And the, the real estate market was on the bottom of the cycle. And trust me, we're moving right as I speak right now. That's where we're heading. We're going to cycle down. But we were at the bottom of the cycle and we were talking. He said, hey, Rob, tell me about your auction, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, do you want to do an auction for me? And I said, I don't know. Uh, I don't I wouldn't even know what to, to charge you. He said, well, your competition, if you have competition, is charging 2%. So if you charge me 2%, I'll go with you. Now, the funny thing is, of course, the competition was charging 5%. But he believed in me after we talked. And I had had the experience with the consumer electronic shops. My partner and I had had the experience of doing big promotions. Every, you know, with, with consumer electronic stores, you promote every weekend, you got to have a sale, you got to do a new promotion. So long story short, we set up a company. We had already been to Australia. We went to our competitors. And this is a good little tidbit. We literally went to, we took a yellow pad and a, and a pen and we went to every one of our competitors auctions. And we wrote down everything we thought they were doing really well and everything we thought they were doing really bad. And the things that they were doing really well, we copied. And the things that we thought they were doing really bad, we fixed. So believe it or not, the first auction we ever had, the first big real estate or home auction, we sold all 53 homes in one day. We held it in a convention center. We had several thousand people there. We did over $10 million in business and the business was launched. Now that was a live auction, right? So that's a live auction, auctioneers up on the stage, big screen TVs, and we sold all 53 homes. You know, we had the, the houses open for 30 days so people could come and see them. And this was pre-internet, you know, this is in the 90s. And so that business was launched. And my partner is the world's greatest promoter and, and salesperson. And so we said, oh, we got a business here. And so because we we're in a real estate downturn, we were able to go to every bank and every big developer. And we probably did, I don't know, you know, somewhere around 100 of these large scale real estate auctions. And so that business was launched. Now, of course, when the, when the real estate cycle 
started going back up, a lot of developers didn't really need, have the need for it. So that business kind of slowed down for a few years. And then, you know, we have these real estate cycles, it seems like every 10 years, and it all depends. It's always, always typically driven by interest rates and by the economy, of course, but typically it, it's very much affected by interest rates. So we kind of went into a different business for a while. We were doing real estate development, and then the cycle came back. I mean, the market, uh, the Great Recession came. And of course, during the Great Recession, we were probably positioned, you know, we had the knowledge and the expertise to really. Uh, help try to solve that problem. And, and we jumped back in and we, we literally did an auction in the LA Convention Center that was in the part portion of the convention center that is the size of the auto show. So imagine that. I mean, we're in, I'm going to guess, over a 100,000 square foot room with probably eight to 10,000 buyers there. And we're selling, we sold 300 homes that day, two different auction rooms, Crazy. That was the beginning of the Great Recession. And finally, one of our big clients came to us and said, hey, we love what you do. We've done business with you long, but we want to be on the Internet. I had had a little bit of experience with the Internet because another business, we had bought some really powerful domain names and we tried to develop them. And believe it or not, that didn't go well for me because we were focusing on real estate. But that's a, another story. But we still had the domain names. So I'd had some experience with developers from the internet. My people who had helped me with those sites were really talented people. And when this bank came to us and said, hey, will you, we want to do it online. We said, sure. You know, my partner doesn't, you know, when, when it comes to a client, we're going to get the job done through hell or high waters. And so the answer was yes. And so we spent a year, we put together a really great online real estate auction platform. And, uh, we already had the inventory and we had the motivated sellers, which was the, were the banks. And so that business just really took off. The beauty of obviously taking that online was that it scaled incredibly. I mean, you know, traveling around the country, going to hotels with a group of 25 to 50 people to hold these auctions was a lot of hard work. And you had, you know, you were traveling all the time. But when it finally went onto the internet, it's like, it was fantastic because we didn't have to travel anymore. It was so much easier. Our clients, our buyers didn't have to drive to the auctions. And so it really took off. And, you know, considering our background, we were very good promoters because we had a lot of great clients. But the bottom line is our job when we're working for these institutions is to get a lot of people to show up to the auction, to come online. So we have to be very good promoters. And we were spending millions upon millions of dollars a year on TV and radio and, and newspaper and, and, you know, to promote these auctions. And it blew up into a big business. So it's a lot of fun. One, that's crazy. Uh, I love, I think one of the two things there, there's many things, but one thing is that I think people forget, like, even if something's a big success or big failure, like you need to put in these reps that keep building up and they're leading you to the right place. And it's just being okay, trusting. Absolutely. You, you did the, 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 the swap meets and the tune-ups and the real estate and then this, this, and this, and then you're using all that in this really big thing. I think that's one great, great point that you made. I think the second thing that's, that I'm curious about is how did you connect the dots of, hey, auctions are cool, real estate. You said there was like kind of two things, but like, how did you connect that dot that like, hey, we should auction and it's happening in Australia, but not in America? Well, you know, Truthfully, most of the guys that I knew that were really successful growing up were real estate guys. I mean, just my neighbors who were either they were realtors or something like that. They all seemed to do very well. And so I had been investing in real estate when I had those uh, smog shops 
I had I bought some real estate and I, you know, real estate's fun. You know, you learn it, you wheel and deal on real estate. It's fun. You know, you fix it up, you clean it up, you get tenants. It's, it's fun. You treat people right. And when you treat people right, it seems to work. So I don't know how it connected the dots. It's just like, you know, I read a really great book and it was by the, the writer, uh, the cartoon of Dilbert. And the high point that I got, and I can't recall his name. My memory's not the greatest, but it was a very good book. And it's only a couple of years old. But one of his points that he made that really stuck with me is that you want to have at least three really great skill sets. That gives room for opportunity to knock at three or four different directions. So the more skill set you have, the more opportunities you get to see. And as long as you don't mind where the opportunity is coming from, and as long as you have the skill set, you can take advantage of that. And so I don't know how we connected the dots, but because we had kept an open mind and had a lot of mentors, we were able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. What was the most challenging or challenging moments or lowlights during the auction.com phase? You know, it, it's always difficult. It was just difficult when we would do an auction for a developer. And it's very interesting. If people built really good product and they were a lousy promoter, then our job was very easy because we were good promoters and it was good product and it was easy to sell. But if someone built lousy product and he had been a good promoter and now he asked us to auction it and we're he was a good promoter and we're good promoters, but it was very hard when you saw people lose money. And that, you know, because it was our job to try to get them out. And uh, so, you know, a lot of our sellers potentially lost money, especially these developers when they hit it at the wrong part of the cycle. So that was difficult, not necessarily, you know, for me, but, you know, when you're when you care for your clients and, you know, that's a big thing about being successful. If you always do more than you promise, you know, and that I would tell that you always do more than you promise. If you're going to become a vocational guy, if you're going to become a journeyman, do more than you promise, do a great job, and people will beat a, a path to your doorstep. You will be successful. You know, it's the guys who try to take the shortcuts and use cheaper product or don't spend as much money in advertising so they don't have a big enough crowd and then the auction doesn't go as well or they try to use cheaper product when they're remodeling a house and things like that. People that take the shortcuts don't win in the long run. If you do it right the first time, if you become known as the guy or the gal that does it right the first time and people can look at your job and say, wow, you will be able to charge top dollar and people will still beat a path to your doorway because the art of craftsmanship seems to be going out the window. So always do more than you say and you will be successful. Agreed. Do you ever regret not going to college or do you think college is worth it? I regret it. I mean, and yes, of course, I think college, yeah, college is worth it. But for me, no. <laughs> you know, the truth is, because we enjoyed business so much, and because I read the books, and because I surrounded myself with positive mentors that taught me, I felt like I was somewhat self-educated. So I was able to do that. And one of our secrets to success is that we always try to surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us in each different facet of the business we're trying to do. So, you know, because I was making a little bit of money, I was able to hire these super smart college educated people and um, surround myself with them when, you know, to build an incredible team. And of course, if you're going to be a professional, if you're going to be a, an attorney or a doctor or a professor or a 
teacher, of course you need to go to college. But that's where it comes back to it when you're in ninth and 10th grade. I really think you need to take time for yourself and, and decide, number one, what's going to make you happy? They always say that the richest person is the person who's happy with, their, with what they have. So what's going to make you happy? And then work backwards from, you know, it's okay not to go to college, but that doesn't mean you don't want to be uneducated. I mean, you just might want to be educated in a different form or fashion. And that doesn't mean you're not going to be super successful. I really believe that a lot of guys who go get vocational education, if they just keep their nose to the grindstone and live below their means and always do more than they promise, they're going to become very successful. Yeah. Where do you think you'd be today if you had finished college? <laughs> Probably doing the same thing, truthfully. I mean, I was going to be in business. I was going to be an entrepreneur. It's what I love. It's what I enjoy. Do you think you'd be less successful, more successful? And success is relative, but in terms of, you know. You know, truthfully, I might be less successful. And I'll tell you why. Because I feel like I got a four-year jump start on other people who went into business. So, you know, I got four years of money in my pocket, and I was able to make a lot more real-life business mistakes in that four years. But I was also able to make enough money that by the time most kids were getting out of school, I was already buying houses and doing real estate deals and starting businesses because I had a jump start on them. So, again, I think it's important you, you, you're very self-aware and you're able to make those decisions. But I would say I think college is great, but don't go take that big loan without having a goal or a dream or knowing where you're headed. I mean, because if you're just if you're going to do that, then just go to junior college, you know, get those inexpensive two years out of the way, then figure out what school you want to go to work your way. I would say work your way through school. I am just I hate to see these really successful, smart people or really, really motivated, smart people coming out with big student loans. And then they got to take a job they don't even like because they got to pay. They feel like they got to pay that loan. And believe it or not, I think that kind of hurts America because. I'm a big believer in the entrepreneurs. I think young entrepreneurs, young business people are important because creating jobs is, I think, the most important thing we can do for a strong America. So get out there and create jobs, create good jobs for people. And that's my two cents. So I'm sticking with it. If someone's interested in their goal in life is to make a million dollars and like they don't want to go to college, but that their goal is to make the money and that, that's just important to them. What would your advice be to them? I love that question. If they're vocationally gifted, I would figure out which vocation, whether it's a carpentry or plumbing or electrical or auto related or anything skilled, vocational related, and I'd become the best at it. And I get that reputation that that guy is great. He charges top dollar, but he's great at what he does. And he always does what he says. And he's on time and he's clean and he's honest and he's honorable. And I would do that. And believe me, that business would grow. And in four to five years, that guy will have four to five other guys working for him. And as long as he keeps the quality control up, the business will continue to grow. And those businesses make good money. And then I would start buying real estate. I would buy, you know, rental properties, small. And the beauty of being in the, in the trades is now you have the skill to do a lot of these quick little fixes that really aren't a big deal. Or you have your buddies in the business who can do it for you that are if you're the carpenter, he's the electrician, and you can do these things much quicker and more efficiently. And now you start taking your cash flow and you're buying trucks and maybe you're buying your own building so that your business is in your own building. So you're paying yourself rent 
and you're buying some rental housing. And I really believe if a guy keeps his nose to the grindstone and lives underneath his means, he can be a millionaire in 10 years. I really believe that. And I believe that by the time he's 50, he'll be worth 10 to $20 million with that route. But, you know, you got to have the ego to not be spending all your money, not blowing it on stupid things until you have enough money. And then once you're 40 and 50 and you've done this, you've really worked hard for 20 years. By the time you're 40 and 50, you will have enough cash flow, you know, from a lot of your assets that you don't even have to work anymore. And you're doing whatever you want to do. You're traveling the world. You're doing whatever you want because you were disciplined for that first 10, 20 years of your career. It's so important that you do that. That's awesome. If someone's listening and thinking about dropping college or skipping out, should they do it? You know, I can't answer that question. It goes back to, you know, taking the time, a, a lot of quiet time and inwardly looking at yourself and deciding, am I the vocational guy? Am I the or gal that wants to start a business and wants to go that route and is willing to be disciplined and do it? Or do I need a boss? If I need a boss, or if I'm planning on being a professional, then of course, you got to stay in college. If you're going to be a professional, you know, there are certain skills that probably are, well, you know, like you can become a computer expert by reading books and just going in there and doing it. You can become a great programmer. And, and, and believe me, I'm a, I believe that everyone should learn a little bit about computer skills and databases. And because even if you're running a small business, you should be advanced enough to use some you know, narrow technology that really helps you be efficient in your business, right? But so I can't answer that question. All I can say is it's entirely possible to be extremely successful without going to school and to go to school without a vision and get a big loan, then have a four-year party. That's foolish. Don't do it. Don't take the loan because you'll regret it because you never get out of the starting gates because you're making those payments and you can't take the risk to go try to start these little businesses that ultimately become big businesses because now you can't take the risk. You know, a lot of people should go to college. A lot of people shouldn't. The day you sold your company, did you think about school or what crossed your mind? How did you feel? Oh, wow. You know, the truth is we were never negatively funded. You know what I mean? Like all my businesses, if they weren't making money, like I said earlier, if they weren't making money, we pretty much shut them down and found another business that was making money. So while the day I sold the business was was a nice, you know, was icing on the cake, it was nice. we always had cash flow and we had all were, always made good money. And we, so it was great, but it wasn't the end. I guess the beautiful thing about having that big day was that it allowed me to do one of my other lifetime dreams, which was become more of a uh, humanitarian and to give back to society and to help and to, uh, you know, do things that really enrich my heart. And that I think a point I want to make is that it's important that whatever you do, whether you go to college, you don't go to college, when you're giving back to society, when you're involved with groups that you're passionate about, you will just become more successful. So if you take the time to give back, I promise you, you will become more successful because you ultimately are surrounding yourself with some really great people. And again, when you surround yourself with great people, they send you clients, they send you business, they become mentors. And so, you know, I've been involved with Big Brothers, Big Sisters for 35 years and other charities and the Boy Scouts I'm a big believer in. 
you know, I'm proud to say we started a school in Nicaragua. And uh, you're going to, I know you're going to be kind enough to put that web address up on the site for me. It's called veraschool.org. But we're very proud of that. We're educating bright, motivated, intelligent, but really impoverished little girls in Nicaragua. And I'm very proud of that. So having that successful business has allowed me to do things that really enrich my life and make me happy. I think when you think about the whole thing and you boil it all down, should you go or shouldn't you go? It's like happy. What's going to make you happy and healthy and let you live an enriched, happy life? Because when you think about it, that's really the most important thing. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. And we'll definitely make sure we um, will promote Barrett Schools uh, on the website as well. Do you want us to include the link to the auction in 10, 10x? I know I'm out of there. So just Vera, that's the most, Vera is the most important thing to me now. And what would be important is you come down there one of these days, because I got five beautiful houses and I've got dormitories for guests. So it's, it's an eco resort too, with, I have 120 species of birds on there. I've got horses to ride. It, it's in a cloud rainforest. It's gorgeous. So I'm always looking for really cool people to come down and talk to the girls and just, you know, it's a boarding school. So that's awesome. Rob, what a, what a journey. It's like from uh, the tune-up swap meets of LA to Nicaragua and helping girls uh, improve their lives. Like that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that's funny because I was in India and the poverty was so overwhelming. And I thought, oh, what can I do to help? And, you know, I just kept boiling it down to education education. And uh, so it's funny when we're talking about college, because of course, I'm a, a fan of higher education, but you just got to know what's right for you. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. Rob, thank you for the chat. That was, that was great. That is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did making it for you. Go support Rob and check out his school in Nicaragua. It's Vera, V-E-R-A school.org. Really awesome. They're, they're helping support and educate young girls in underserved communities. I love what they're doing. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go to an auction together. Before you go, tweet at me, Instagram me, DM me, whatever. At Noah Kagan, I love hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Also, remember to go subscribe to my newsletter, okdork.com. That's okdork.com. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week just for you and have exclusive content for subscribers. Finally, a couple of shout outs to the amazing team, Jason at podcasttech.com for making these podcasts. Thank you to Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork team for all the magic y'all do. And shout out to the Absumo Originals team. They've been doing this a long ass time. They've built some really cool products. TidyCal.com has done really well. If you want an alternative Calendly that doesn't cost you a lot of money and is really simple, Garrett, Marnie, Abaldo, Og, Luca, Serba, Natasha, Gary, and David for making all that happen and at great prices. TidyCal.com. Have an amazing day. What's your favorite jelly bean flavor? <laughs>